Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast. And we're rolling along on a week that didn't start out great for us on Monday, but we will look to pick it up here in best bets. Pretty rough night in best bets. At least we managed to stay above 500 there in the play of props on what was a really weird Monday night slate. But we have eight games now on Tuesday, eight in-season tournament games, I should say, to choose from here on Tuesday night. So we're going to go ahead and trudge along with these uh, best bets in this one. We got play of props in the other video as we do each and every weekday. So like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Also head to thelines.com. Use that prop finder tool that we're that we have up there for you guys. Make sure that you're getting the best odds available to you from all of these bets, giving us all these books, I should say, giving us bets this season. Nate, let's go ahead and uh, redo things here on Tuesday night and get into your first NBA best bet. Yeah, Mondays have been really weird in the NBA lately uh, with guys resting with a lot of back-to-backs and everybody adjusting after NFL. But um, yeah, now we get the, and then you get the in-season tournament. Last night of it here in terms of group play. um, So you actually can trust some of the efforts and and situations here. The first game I'm going to look at is Houston at Dallas and some variety of the Rockets to cover here and keep this game under 232. Uh, right now the total's been bet down to 228, but at FanDuel you can you can get where it freezes, you know where it opened 233 and a half with the Rockets at plus four and a half. That'd be my preferred parlay if you have a FanDuel account. If not, you know I think this is a fine opportunity for a teaser to get it back to 232 uh, and get the Rockets up to plus eight because I mean plus four is almost like a middle. You might you might as well just go with the money line at that point. Like why are we not? You know, how are we expecting the Rockets to just lose by a last second basket? Um, we are expecting them to fight on the road. That's what we've seen every time. They are 0 5 on the road, but have covered in three straight against, you know, high quality teams, you know, late, uh, lately. And, um, you know, they're going to lean on their defense here. The other big point is that the Mavs have slowed down in terms of pace, in terms of efficiency, and in terms of three point shooting, which you always talk about is like, well, I don't know how the variance is going to go here in terms of their three-point shooting. Well, pretty consistently in their last six, they've been not so good. They're down to 33% from deep, uh, down to 30% in their last three, and they're not a team that can really overcome that by getting to the rim right now. Their free throw rate is one of the lowest in the leagues. They're back to a 98 pace, uh, which is where they were, you know, in the pre-Kyrie era. And Luka, you know, he's gone up against Dylan Brooks six times in his career and is only averaging 22 a game with a 106 rating, not very efficient necessarily Houston their offense is is nothing amazing um, other than Alperin Shangoon who is amazing and we love him and if Derek Lively doesn't play tonight you can really smash Shangoon's props expect him to have a big game either way Uh, but yeah we don't expect Houston to be scoring much on the road they only score 105 they only shoot 32 percent from deep but they're going to lean on their defense in this in this in-season scenario where they win and they win the group if they, they go three and one, cause they have a tiebreaker over the Pelicans, I believe. Um, so they're going to be going hard all the way to the end, trying to get that first road win here, playing a division rival on top of the in season implications. They're number one in paint points allowed in their last three under allowing, uh, allowing under 29, also number two in second half points. So you could maybe get a live under if this starts a little fast paced, uh, number two in three point defense on the season. And pretty good on the road, although, of course, they allowed 19 to the Splash Bros. But other than that, uh, 21 combined, 19 combined in their previous two against the Lakers and Clippers. So I think they can guard the three-point line. They can guard Luka. 
keep this close and hopefully keep us under. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to ride with the Rockets for sure. Getting getting the points, I think the under is is a pretty solid bet here too. If if the the, the Rockets defense is for real, the way that I think we just all know it is. I mean, it's it's Ime Udoka coaching a couple of du- a number of dudes who who definitely prioritize defense. The fact that an Alperen Shangun team is so good at defense while he's playing so many minutes, it, it says something about how much he's better he's gotten as well at defense. I would say like he's at least not a complete liability like he was last year. And the fact that he's able to do what he's doing on offense this year just makes up, obviously his net rating is higher. Uh, it is in the positive as well. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with all this. The Derek Lively not playing thing always uh, impacts games for the Rockets or excuse me for the, for the Mavs as well right now, just in the, the difference between their ability to sort of get up and down the court and play faster and also, you know, get, get those, uh, those rim runs uh, as someone who can actually like get to the rim with, with uh, Dwight Powell, not playing quite as well. And definitely on the, the backside of his career at this point. So I'm with the, the Rockets on this one and the under, we're going to go with another under here uh, in a game that between the Cavs and the Hawks. And it's at two thirty eight and a half. You can actually find some two thirty nines and that rose from two thirty five where it opened because the Hawks don't play defense. The Hawks play really fast and we get all that, but this is going to be a slightly different scenario now playing the Cavs who they're middle of the pack in terms of pace, but it's been really hard to like nail down exactly how this Cleveland offense is going to perform with guys coming in and out of the lineup between DG um, and, and Donovan Mitchell being hurt as well as Jared Allen, who's finally back for the past eight games or so. And the Jared Allen factor, I think is going to be real. So this game being in Cleveland is huge. Uh, when they're in Atlanta, this this would be a lot scarier with the way that the uh, Hawks play at home, 127 almost points per game at home this season versus seven fewer than that on the road. Um, the pace between these two teams last time that they met in Cleveland was also about a 96.4. And you got to believe that Cleveland wants to keep it in that range to be able to hang with this team because they don't have the fast break tools uh, to, to sort of you know, keep up with Atlanta, who does very much so and has multiple guys that are very much so down to shoot it in transition, as we know, obviously, with Trey um, and company. But the the Cavs home road as well is also pretty stark. They are averaging 108 points per game at home versus 114 on the road. They play at a 97.8 pace as well, um, which is super helpful. The the unders definitely hit more for them uh, at home than on the road, but it's even more so uh, the case with Atlanta in terms of the, the inverse of that. Atlanta on the road. Uh, is is going to be much slower, much worse on offense. More importantly, at home they're five and two, uh, uh, on the road rather they're five and two into the under. Uh, at home one and seven. When you look at also where the um, the the Hawks are going to want to score from, obviously right now a lot of people probably are looking at the idea that the Cavs allow the most points per game to opposing point guards. Um, and I would also argue that like in in those instances, um, if I look at some of the uh, the numbers that the point guards have put up against them. It's also like there's 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 some discrepancy between point guard and shooting guard. Like, where do you put Josh Giddy? Like all these different things that kind of impact it, you know, in a way that I'm like, I, I don't I don't really care about that quite as much right now. I do think the wing defense for the Cavs got worse than it was last year. But I think Jared Allen puts a huge uh, pin in that because he, the fact that he was gone for a while, that impacted things for like seven or eight games. If, if you got by these guards, you were pretty good to get to all the way to the rim against this Cavs team. So I'm um, going to feel a little bit better about their ability to limit the, the what the Hawks want to do uh, and keep this thing on, under 239. Yeah, it's a, it's really inflated um, because of the Hawks' recent crazy games. But it's kind of a correlation that Jalen Johnson's been out for two games, and those right. games have gone under. Um, oh right? I mean, DeAndre Hunter has been nice offensively. If you look at his game log against Cleveland, he has not had much success against this team, which is not too surprising. Uh, Trey as well in his last two, only shooting 36%. 
against Cleveland. And those games were in Atlanta where he, he has, you know, he has pretty notable home road splits himself. Um, don't necessarily expect him to go off or get this offense humming at Cleveland at home. Yeah. Their defense is, is good. So like that. Thank under. you for bringing um, that up by the way, real quick, uh, re- real quick though, Jalen Johnson, super friend of the show. We are wildly impressed by him. That is that that man is averaging the second most fast break um, frequencies. Like he's basically on the break, the second most of any player in the NBA. He's an incredible one man fast break at like six, nine, finishing around the rim, able to dribble. It's a huge point for the transition offense for Atlanta and why it's gone down in the last two games without their best transition player. Absolutely. Yeah. Bears mentioning uh, theme here, though, in the third straight under we're talking about um, is OKC at mini under 228 and a half. This is the number one defense at home in Minnesota and the number one defense on the road in OKC. So while the, both teams are pretty impressive offensively, I think you got to lean under if you're leaning anywhere here. Um, OKC is another team that has slowed down recently, 95 pace in their last five. The Wolves have stayed slow because they have those those trees that need to get up and down the court. Um, and right now the, the scenario, I mean, OKC is eliminated from in season, still a division game. Wolves are 2-1, need a win, and they need point differential to get past Golden State, who play the Kings in that other group game here. Um, Yeah, I mean, regardless, they're going to try to get a win. They're going to try to do it on defense, which they have at home. Another team with notable home road splits, allowing 1-1 at home versus 112 on the road. Holding opponents under 29% from three at home, which, you know, probably cools off OKC, which is shooting 46% from deep on the road this year. That is number one in the NBA, probably not sustainable. Um, The way they've been shooting lately might come down a little bit because Jalen Williams, J-Dub is back. Good defender, good slasher, uh, but not a three-point shooter as much as Isaiah Joe, who's been filling some of those minutes. So I think we see a little bit of offense come down for OKC. Um, No Jaden McDaniels for, for the Wolves. Would be nice if he was out there guarding SGA, but even without him in their last six, a 105 defensive rating, five of those six have gone under. Five of their last six with OKC have gone under, and the, and the Wolves have won eight of their last nine. And they have splits where they only allow like 101 in a win versus 120 in a loss. So another one you might you could correlate uh, Wolves' money line with the under uh, because OKC might have more success in a high-scoring game. <clears throat> Both teams, you know, limit paint points, limit two-point shooting. All everything you'd want to see in terms of keeping this low and Ant only a 104 rating in his um, career against OKC under 20 points per game. So if he's not going off, I don't think Minnesota is going to be getting into a shootout. Yeah, that's kind of where my head is at too with this one. The the 228 and a half is so low for an OKC total, like you said when you when you see them dropping uh, 130 here, 140 there. But this is a different beast that they're coming up against. I think we do believe in Minnesota's defense. I mean, I know I do for sure at this point. I've, I've watched a few of their games at the very least, and I've obviously been tracking their numbers. And Carl Anthony Towns' buy-in on defense is a huge part of all of this. I, I, I never thought I would say it. I, I started to say it at the beginning of the year. I was like, I don't think Cat looks bad on defense. And I was like, but let me temper this. And I've just continued to see the same thing. I think it's a huge part of all this. It's also a reason that I'm, I'm making my second pick here a prop from this game. I'm going under on maybe my favorite player of the NBA right now, El Chet. Chet Holmgren under 25 and a half points and rebounds for the probable future uh, rookie of the year. At least right now, I would say that he is uh, J dub is back. That's a huge part of this. I didn't even see that at first when I was like, ah, I think I'm going under on Chet. 
I also love the fact that Jay Will, or I'm sorry, Jay Dub is back. Jalen Williams, other one with a Y, has been in the whole time. But under in eight of 13 games that he's played with Jay Dub so far in his career, uh, Chet Holmgren. So two of three that uh, he played without Jay Dub, who missed those last three. He went over in those and over pretty handily as well. His usage goes up to about 26% from 21% when there's no J-Dub in there. Like Simply put, Chet Holmgren is like the, at best the fourth option on the starting lineup. And without J-Dub in there, that just goes up right now. He just he just takes a lot more precedence. So the usage goes up. The scoring goes from, from 17 points per game on the season with J-Dub to 22 points per game. So all those things are huge for this, this under. I, I just, I got to fade the Rook against probably the, well, let's say the second best team down low because Mitchell Robinson is an absolute monster right now for the Knicks. So I'll give them the best defensive team down low and I'll go ahead and give Rudy and Kat uh, and even Nas Reed the second best defensive team down low where they allow the second fewest points per game to centers, the third fewest points per game, uh, rebounds per game rather to centers. And the rebounds is really where I want to fade Chet as much as anything. Look, it's not like he could get hot from three. Uh, I will say Minnesota, it's not like because Rudy's their center, they have trouble guarding the three-point line against centers. They're still in the top 10 in terms of limiting three-pointers made by the opposing big man like that. But at the same time, like he might step out there. And if he does, the points might be a little bit easier to come by. 18, doable for him. I still think it's going to be slower, choppier. Like we said, in Minnesota, where they just play such great defense at home and have for the last two years, you can buy into that. So uh, with with all that in, in against him, the only thing that scares you is like I just watched him do so well against Joel Embiid that you're like, is he just that? Is he just that good? Is is, is he just capable of this? I, like maybe, but in this situation against a team that's at least one of the two best at stopping what he wants to do, I mean, fifty percent of his shots are still coming from the paint, a few of them from the mid range, and he's taking about four threes a game. I, I don't think the four threes will even be there for him with J Dub in, in there. Like I said, as as a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands more than Chet, that's basically their second option to be honest on offense except with Giddy in there. So anyway, I, I think Chet under twenty six against the uh, the trees of Minnesota is a good bet tonight. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because defensively, he's contesting a lot of shots. Doesn't really leave him available for rebounds, right? I mean, I was looking at I, I bet his season long rebounds per game. I think it was nine and a half. I was like, that's a lot for a skinny. Rook, basically. Uh, so, yeah, I think he can continue to go around seven rebounds or less. And then, yeah, I don't know if, if we don't think points are going to be easy to come by if we're going under for the game. Yep, 100%. So that it'll be a good game. I mean, definitely keep an eye, everybody, on these in-season tournaments. Uh, what you know? What do people need? What do teams need? We, we kind of went through some of that and how we're playing it. But there's going to be some important stuff that happens. We're in uncharted territory here for sure. But, Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first play of prop. My boy, DG the PG. Yeah, Darius Garland over 19.5 points is slightly uh, minus odds, but is a good bet against the Hawks. And you could also put a half-unit, quarter-unit on him to get seven assists, which is plus odds. If you combine the two, it's juiced way down um, at 26.5. So I don't know if you want to go that route. You might want an alt if you're going to combine them, but or just bet them separately. uh, Because, you know, he's, he's been producing at home. Um, maybe the one concern is that he had a neck injury against the Lakers. That's why he only played a few minutes in one of his six home appearances this year. And that's why his numbers are skewed. Uh, he's only gone under 24 points in two home games this year. That was that Lakers game and against Miami, which does an excellent job limiting point guards, averaging 20 at home this year, last season, a much larger sample averaged 23 at home and 8.3 assists with a usage rate, 5% higher at home. Uh, and you know, he did return from that neck injury the next night, played 41 minutes, went for 24 and eight against Toronto, which is a good defense 
against point guards. The Hawks are not. They, they are not a good defense anywhere. And they, they're maybe their one plus defender in the backcourt, DeJounte Murray, is going to be on Donovan Mitchell, I think. So DG should continue to eat against Trey Young. He has in his last five against Atlanta, scoring 25 a game, 6.6 assists, despite you know only a 104 offensive rating. He's usually a very efficient player, but the usage rate has been so high because the Cavs are like, well, we got to attack this matchup. 33.5% usage rate, four of those five in Atlanta. And like I mentioned, we're back in Cleveland now um, where the, the Cavs offense a little better. Garland in particular, more productive. And that Hawks defense, yeah, I mean, third most assists per game, 10 assists per game just to point guards, third highest two-point percentage, which is where Garland's going to be feeding those trees for Cleveland. They've allowed 31 assists in their last seven games here. So uh, give me Garland for either of those props. I'm with it. I was looking at that as well. I, I hate having to choose which of these dudes in this backcourt is going to do well. But I think Darius Garland, I, I mean, he's gotten over this uh, with guaranteed without without Donovan Mitchell coming in. Um, but I, I think, you know, with him back, it's still 20 points is, is a very doable line. Do still like the under in this game. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's not very many people scoring for Cleveland right now outside of their two guys as Evan Mobley also continues to be slightly unimpressive, I'll be honest, uh, after what we expect. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I like the the points a lot. The assists should be there. It's just a matter of like, is he the true point guard when, when Donovan's in there? And if they're going to rely on that, then then I would buy it. But um, my favorite pick right now for a play a prop is going to be going to the Loon Dog. After a rough night in NBA uh, picks and bets, Kevon Looney is always a wonderful treat to have uh, with, with what I think is going to be a solid play. So I'm going after Loon Dog's assists not his rebounds, even though I'm fine with like an eight plus rebound game, to be honest with you, it is up around eight and a half on most books for his boards. Still think it's a, it's a fine play, but the assist for Looney, especially against this team, it's just like a very clear game plan for him against the Kings. Go beat up DeMontis, go get offensive rebounds and kick it right back out to one of our three point shooters. Every time it was the reason that we started to see him getting double digit assists in the playoffs against this team in the first rebound because of that exact fact. So the I'm doing a little ladder play because the core bet is at two and a half assists, and I think he's good for three. I think he might be good for five. He's gotten six in both outings this year against this team, so it's still very plausible. But right now, the best I can find is actually five plus. If you want to ladder it, take two and a half on DraftKings, take four plus on FanDuel where you can get it, and take five plus on DraftKings as well, uh, which is plus 500 there. He's gone over in his last uh, nine of his last 13, including those playoffs I mentioned against Sacramento. And those six assists in both games this year. Uh, Sack is allowing the seventh most uh, assists per game to centers this season, which I actually do buy into outside of just like, well, centers don't assist that much. And who did they play? Well, yeah, no, this this is a big stat for when you get offensive rebounds. And if you if you can't go back up with it because Kevin Kevon Looney's offensive game is a little bit limited, then, yeah, that's going to be what you continue to do. Um, they do allow the 12th most rebounds per game to centers. Um, and the, uh, the top, they do have a really good defensive rebound percentage, but that is combated by uh, Golden State's incredible offensive rebound percentage, second in second chance points this season, predominantly because of Kevon Looney and a little bit of Draymond in there on the offensive boards as well. But it's been a ton of loon dog. So, you know, uh, I think right now we're looking at one and a half. That's what we've got here. It's a pretty crazy stat on uh, catch and shoot. But the uh, one and a half assists on off of offensive rebounds per game uh, in, in uh, on the season right now. So he's already got the, the four offensive boards a game as well. This is this is totally like a correlated assist rebound play, right? So if you wanted to do something like, you know, seven boards and like three assists or, or some kind of parlay like that for him, they are very correlated. 
Um, but I, I think the fact that he ha- he's just so good at crashing the board, like an 18% offensive rebound percentage alone for Loon Dog in his four games in the regular season versus the Kings last season, like there's there's a reason for that. And DeMontis was in all those games. I think this is a really good opportunity for him to keep doing exactly what he's done against his team since he started playing them. Interesting. I was not aware with Mr. Looney's uh, assist rate at all. Not on my radar, but you know, it figures when you have t- you're you're the uh, sun around which these two great shooters orbit. That all you have to do is hand the ball off sometimes or kick it out, uh, and you might get it. You might get a, a, a th- uh, an assist off a three. And now Clay is hot again, or getting hot after being ice cold. Uh, and we expect Steph to have a big game here with the in season implications, with tr- uh, point differential being a factor. The Warriors don't just have to win necessarily. They have to uh, win and score a ton of points and, and blow out the Kings, I think, to win this group. Yeah. So they, they should be out there gunning. And uh, yeah. Looney, you know, you don't get the screen assist credit, but he'll he'll be helping the offense for sure. Uh, yeah. Can, can I so, throw the – I wanted to throw one quick little bonus one out there too um, because I got Chris Paul's assist as a pretty good bet as well. I don't have the number on it yet. But I would take an over like a five plus six plus assist for CP3. Steph needs to score. His usage rate just skyrockets when he plays the Kings. They need to win. They need to win by a lot of points. So they're going to be continuing to try to score. CP3's out there in their better offensive lineups. Yada yada. Twenty potential assists in his two games versus Sac this year. Eight with eight assists when Draymond was in. Twelve assists versus this team when Draymond was out. Um, and that's because, like I said, the potential assists just stay super high for him. So I think uh, if that comes out at around four and a half, five and a half for assists for him. Definitely hit an over. I like him to get six or seven in this one. Yep. Um, so going back to this Rockets Dallas game, um, mentioned Shangun has been the most reliable Rocket on the road. Um, his numbers are actually way higher in the five road games. All have been losses, but he has been out there gunning. Like the Rockets to maybe cover in this one, but either way, you can bet 30 and a half points of rebounds for Mr. Shangun. You can tack on six five six assists if you want uh but i don't know if that's as reliable i think the points and rebounds are going to be reliable against dallas dallas allows the fourth most points third most rebounds to centers Derek lively is questionable with a back issue uh in their last two games dallas has allowed 108 rebounds to their opponents because of bad shooting they've been shooting 30 percent from three in their last three here on the season they're allowing the uh fifth most uh rebounds per game and 13.3 offensive rebounds per game at home that's among the worst in the league so shangun going to be crashing they also allow the fourth highest percentage on twos uh, and he's been murdering people on pick and rolls a, a, as sort of the primary option for houston in in that type of action he hasn't played big minutes against dallas in any of his meetings but if you project it over per 36 He's averaging 23 points, 12 rebounds in those seven matchups against the Mavs. So also in his last seven straight up, you know, playing nearly 36 minutes, he's getting uh, 22 points, 10 rebounds. That's with the outlier against Memphis, tough interior defense. Otherwise, he's averaging nearly 24 points and 10 and a half rebounds. So clearing this number pretty reliably, also getting you the five assists if you do want to tack that in. But I think the points and rebounds is the most reliable here as you go up against uh, Dallas. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any way you want to slice it for Mr. Sangoon, like he's focal point of the offense for sure. The assists are never a bad idea. They keep getting higher. 
uh, for his prop, but like there's a reason for it for baby Jokic. You can dime up. So anyway, you want to take Shangun tonight in a, a game that is just not going to have much to stop him uh, with that Mavericks uh, front court. Like you said, then I'm, I'm totally with it. I'm going to go under a little bit scary, maybe, maybe a little bit scary, but I did this twice last season where I faded Dame against the heat. So I'm gonna go back to it, even though he's on the bucks now. So Damian Lillard under 26 and a half points versus Miami in this one. You mentioned it at the top. Miami needs this game if they want the in-season tournament at all. Milwaukee does not necessarily. I mean, they, they probably want to stay atop the division. So I'm, I'm sure they're still trying, uh, but they are 3-0 and in the, the, the tournament right now, and they're well atop the, uh, the their um, division there. His last four versus Miami, a little bit skewed by a really bad outing that only saw him have 12 points, but I mean, he still played 28 minutes in that game, only 12 points. So in the last four, fewer than 20 points per game on a 40% field goal shooting uh, and 35% from deep, still decent from there. But I also just for the under love the fact that he's only getting to the free throw line seven times per game, actually 6.8 against this Miami Heat team in those last four. They do an obviously an awesome job of defending without fouling does Miami. We've seen that for years now, basically since Spoh's been there. Um, and the the usage for Dame, it's basically the same. Now, he, he averaged a 27% usage in 33 minutes per game over his last four versus this team. He's got a 29% usage rate in 34 minutes a game this year, which is hilarious as I think about it. Like, he's got a higher usage on, on this Milwaukee Bucks team than he did on the Trailblazers, at least for this matchup, not necessarily in general. But the point is, is like, this 